the bar is so low that you can fall over it. All you have to do is do a few of these things, that, the things that we're talking about. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my nine to five job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey everybody, this is Brian, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Lead with Impact. Really excited to have you here today. Our guest today will be Ira Wolf and he is going to talk about how to recruit employees right now. So if you own a business or if you work in any position where you are involved in hiring, this is going to be an important conversation just for you. Now, Ira is a professional speaker, a prolific business writer, podcaster, and blogger. And he's written for all sorts of different magazines and been featured in all sorts of different media sources. And he's the author of the new book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. And that book has been ranked one of the best HR books in existence, as we'll talk about. So if you're interested, again, in hiring people and how to find the best people, this is going to be a conversation for you. Thanks for being here. Let's settle in and let's jump right into it and talk to Ira Wolf. Ira Wolf, welcome to Lead with Impact. I'm excited to talk to you today. Excited as well, Brian. It's been a couple of weeks to, to, to get on the air and so great to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to it. So maybe we can start with you telling myself and our audience exactly what you do. I've got a company. That's a good question. <laughs> on an everyday basis, it, it changes a lot. Uh, that's the world we live in. Uh, but on an everyday basis, I've got a company, Success Performance Solution. We primarily provide pre-employment and leadership assessments uh, to small, medium-sized companies. We, we also work with some large companies, but uh, our niche happens to be working with small, medium-sized companies. You know, my tagline sort of says it all. We help companies recruit uh, faster and hire smarter. Uh, so that's what I do. Um, but, you know, I do a lot of writing, written books, doing a lot of interviews. Uh, and, you know, but overall, it's, it's a matter of how do you prepare people for the future of work and, and uh, you know, how do you help companies grow and help uh, get satisfied employees, get people, get people back to work. <laughs> Absolutely. So that dovetails with a lot of the work I do. And as we mentioned before we went on the air, I used to do recruiting a little, little bit. So I'm familiar with that world and some of the struggles and the HR world in general. And that's obviously all changed. So let me just ask you to start with what's changed in recruiting? Uh, well, unfortunately, a lot's changed in recruiting, but it's not changed from the recruitment side. It's mm. changed from how people apply. What's the world we live in? And that's really the concept of the book. Uh, recruiting in the Age of Googleization that I published. The first uh, 130 pages has nothing to do with recruitment. It has to do with the exponentially changing world, that acceleration uh, uh, that we have had. 
Uh, a lot of it's driven by technology, uh, and, you know, and then technology dro drove it down, you know, through social media, uh, a much faster pace of life, a much faster, faster pace of change. Uh, so the, the, the world we live in has changed. Technology hasn't, and, and I'll give you, or, or uh, recruitment and, and hiring hasn't. So let me give you a good example. Um, think about the application. The, the app, or, or think about in, in, in the respective recruitment is that in 1970, um, I, I was around and in the, <laughs> at that point, uh, in 1970, if you wanted a job, uh, basically you typed up a, either, you looked at the Sunday ad, the Sunday newspaper, or you went to some industry magazine, uh, you, you submitted a resume or you filled out an application that they sent you. You faxed, at that time you could, well, you couldn't fax, we mailed it back, uh, or we took it down and dropped it off uh, for them. Um, I remember in college, you know, I had 25 typewritten application uh, resumes. And what I did was I, I went into the, you know, knocked on doors. Um, they might've had an application to fill out if they wanted. If not, you just dropped it at the reception desk. Hopefully you got to the right person. That process is still the exact same process that companies use today. All we did was put it online. The reality is it's like you get a job wreck, we got a job opening. Oh, we don't have to wait till Sunday. Can you put it on Indeed? Can you put it on ZipRecruiter? Can you put it on our career site? Yeah, we can get that done. And then you sit back and you wait for applications to come in. So the recruitment side hasn't changed a whole lot. What's changed though is the way that people apply and the people search for jobs. So in the past is I would decide I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get a job or I wanted to change a job. And the first thing I did was I made, I had to make a commitment. I had to invest my time in that process and uh, create the resume or make an initiative to go out and fill out applications. Then I submitted it and then I waited to, to get an interview. Okay. So there were a couple stages of decisions, but I had to make the commitment to go out and do that. Now, I'm having a bad day at work. I go up to Indeed or ZipRecruiter or some site. I look for all the jobs that are there. I submit my resume once. I hit quick apply. And I send it out to 100 different places. Mm. It's, it's like, wow. So companies said, okay, we're still going to stick to our same process, even though everybody else changed. We're, and we're going to build technology around that. And all the ATS, all the HRS systems are built to accommodate the old system of how all, because all the systems were just built to sift through all those applications. They, it really wasn't a modern candidate. So how does the modern candidate respond? I mean, what's the new process? I'm thinking of looking for a job. Uh, I'm going to go look around. They're going to check out all the, the, the job boards. Um, now the top candidates, not somebody looking for just the paycheck. They're saying, Hey, I, I want to make sure they don't look at the job first. They look at the company. They look at the employment brand. They're checking, do you, do you have a higher than a 3.5 rating? If you don't, you're, you're cooked, you're toast. Um, what's it like? I go up to your website. Oh, the website looks good. Let me click on jobs. Can I even find the career page? It's usually buried in the bottom footnote under jobs or careers and employment or something. If they find that, what do they see? If they go to, if it then gets deferred to a, an ATS or a third party, uh, there's a, I, I pulled this up the other day. I have a company that contacted me. 783 jobs were listed. Uh, 
So I've got to go through a database. So I just the heck of it, I opened it up and said, I'm looking for, and this was only because somebody else called me about this, a call center. So they had a they didn't have call center, but they had a customer service specialist. One, customer service specialist two, cover customer service specialist three. Then they had all these locations. So I'm the applicant, I'm sitting on my phone, which you can't see, but I'm sitting on my smartphone here and I'm trying to do this search to see what's the job. And they were cop, they literally were just job descriptions that somebody copy and pasted. Um, not engaging at all, looked like every other one I applied to. I'm, I'm not doing the leg, rest of the legwork because here's what happened. If I do, if I find the job, I fill out the application, uh, it's likely that I'll never hear from the company because it falls into the HR black hole. So as a candidate, I'm looking for the company. It, I have to be engaged in it. I have to want to apply to that. I have to make a commitment. And if I make the commitment, am I willing to go through this 1970s style application with the risk of never hearing from anybody? So unless you have this great employing brand and type of engagement or a conversation or a little chat button, or I can talk to you, Brian, you're, you know, there's somebody sitting behind the desk that can say, hey, can you answer my question? I'm not submitting it. I'm going to the next company. And right. so, you know, what, what's changed is some companies have gotten that message. They've changed it. They've created a brand. They've got 60 second interviews with with not from the CEO saying, what a great company, we've got four generations of history and this is a great place to work and you are our most important asset. They're hearing from people that applied there that look like them, talk like them, spoke like them. What, here's what it was like on the first day of the job that I had, uh, you know, that it came and hire, I was greeted and the hire manager met and I met all the people. That's what people wanna know. And good news is, I say this over and over again, the bar is so low that you don't have to be good. So this sounds daunting. It's like, oh, we're, you know, especially working with small companies, the small companies, you know, we're in COVID, we're, we're in a cash crunch. We don't, all the reasons, we just don't have to do it. The bar is so low that you can fall over it. Uh, all you have to do is do a few of these things that the things that we're talking about. What is, if you can, for a hundred bucks, you can find somebody to redesign your webpage, your career page, make it enticing, make it like, your front page, your main page, that marketing does for the rest of your company to sell products and services, sell your jobs, sell your company, what it's like to work there, sell employability. This is this is what it this is what happens when it comes here. Now you have to get the messaging right and all that stuff, but it's not a huge investment. But the bar is so low at this point. Uh, now it's going to change. People are getting the message, <laughs> um, you know, but it it's pretty low. I love that. I have a lot that I want to follow up on, but let me try to consolidate because there's about 19 different things. I, I would love to ask you more I questions. I got you. Sorry about, sorry about that. <laughs> from there. No, I love it. It's great. Uh, first of all, I just when you're talking about the company with the 783 jobs out there, in my mind, I'm picturing some poor person on the other side of the computer frazzled pulling their hair out trying to navigate through all of these applications and make sure they get them right and the system like you said really isn't built for that it is built not necessarily to capture the best candidates and in a way many times that almost makes that impossible 
in my mind. Yeah, yeah Brian, let, yeah, and thanks. Let me interrupt you there a second. So I don't know what you're sitting in front of. It might be a laptop. I've got three 32-inch uh, screens in front of me. Okay, I'm sitting at this desktop. Now, maybe people at work have one, maybe they have two, but we're sit they're sitting at a desktop. Most recruiters, uh, talent acquisition, HR people, they're sitting at, they used to be sitting at work doing that. Okay. The, the applicant, the candidate that you're looking for is sitting on a smartphone or is probably on their smartphone, either sitting at work, sitting at a, well, when you used to take your kids to ball games, sitting in a theater, sitting, sitting in a meeting, pulling out their smartphone, they're looking at a five, maybe seven inch screen and searching for jobs. There's a huge disconnect. So even saying, oh, this looks great on our big screen, that's 96% of everybody in the US under 40 years old uses a smartphone, 96%. The first place people go to look for a job is not Indeed, is not ZipRecruiter, they use, they go to Google. And I'm not saying that it's Google for jobs, but they're going to look, they're searching for the company. What's the company look like? Um, and then if it does pull up in Google for jobs, which is a whole other story, um, you know, to be, to be considered there, then what happens if somebody applies to that? And then instead of going back to their company site, they're taken to a third party site. Uh, so there's a whole disconnect of, HR and talent sitting on laptops and desktops with big screens and candidates applying from a mobile device. Two and different worlds. And we're hardwired. We're, we're hardwired. And, and this is especially for frontline workers. The only connection they have to the internet is a mobile device, is a smartphone. The only connection they have. And everything was designed for a desktop or a, la or a large laptop, even some smaller laptops, it's a little bit of a hassle. So again, huge disconnect and, and people just need to start to walk in the shoes of the modern candidate. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other part I wanted to comment on, because I think it's so crucial to this, and I, I think to me is really the underpinning of everything you're talking about is the mindset shift that companies have to go through. I like to say, so I do workplace culture work, as, as you may know. So I have some presentations and talk to organizations about that. And I, li I like to say that the world is transparent now. It's a glass box. In other words, in the old days, like you talked about way back when, companies could just sort of tell the world and form their own narrative about what it was like to work there. And you sort of had to believe them unless you actually worked there. Oh, Absolutely. Those days are gone now. You can jump on Indeed or uh, Monster.com or Google and very Glass quick door. Glassdoor, Glassdoor. <laughs> Glassdoor very quickly find out what the real work experience is like. And I think that a lot of companies have yet to really come to terms with that, that they don't directly control the narrative anymore. And really, they have to work to make the workplace actually what they are saying it is in order to get that message out there. Yeah, and you've probably heard this before. You know, if you say to somebody and they go, well, we're working on our reviews, you know, they, they used to be worse and they go, what were they? And they go, well, you know, they're like 2.8 or 3.2 or something. Because good companies don't, don't have this conversation. But the majority of people, again, the bar is pretty low. So a lot of companies aren't doing this. So we, we talk about that uh, 3.0 rating 
and they go, how do we get the bad reviews off here? That's their solution. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not right. fair. It's a disgruntled worker. None of it's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how do we get that person off? How, how do we stop those? Because we got some good reviews, but how do we stop the bad ones? And that's wrong, wrong question. <laughs> what can companies do then? You've talked about this disconnect. They're on their laptops or they're even on their um, desktops. Mm -hmm. Somebody's applying via mobile. And as you pointed out, that's just a whole different experience from the technology and the way things will look even to the psychology of it. So how can that company adapt? So, and this is part of my, one of my presentations uh, that I do with a lot of the Sherman business conferences, it's called, and now we're starting to do them online, obviously, uh, it's called your candidate experience is all, I, I won't say what the acronym is, but it's FCDD. So it's all effed up, you know, it's FCDD up. What it stands for, and I give credit to a good friend of mine, uh, Debbie Levitt, because she came up with this. She calls these the four horsemen, a bad, a bad customer experience. And she allows me to use it for candidate experience. It stands for frustration, confusion, disappointment, and distraction. So when you think about the process, is, is walking in the shoes of all the touch points that you have with the candidate or a candidate has with you, uh, beginning with the career site, you know, it's a search. I go, can I find it? Is it frustrating? And I've gone to sites and I'm, you know, I won't say I'm the most savvy, but I'm fairly comfortable around technology and search. And, and I also pretty resilient that I say, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna find out where this is. I can't find out how to apply. I can't find where their jobs are listed because they're buried on their sub sub menu. Uh, they're buried at the footer. Uh, they have some cutesy names for their job. It's not career, you know, sometimes it's career, sometimes it's job, sometimes it's employment. Um, sometimes, who knows? Uh, and sometimes say, oh, it's on an ATS. It's not even attached to their company site. So frustrating, is it confusing? I get there, where do I go? What do I apply to? Am I a customer service one, two, or three? Uh, you know, what's the explanation? You know, what, what, what's, what's the best job title? What should I apply to? Uh, so we, that's, one is going through all the touch points and touch points start with take the journey sit down and apply for a job. Look at every single step that you go through from your, from a, whether it's, how, what's the connection from Indeed to an application? What's the connection if somebody lands on your website? Where do you rank in, in, in Google? But even a more basic part of this, and this, this will really seem strange for you coming from recruitment and staffing and speaking to HR. I talk about digital marketing because recruitment is marketing. So what I talk about, I, I give them tools that digital marketers, if I walked into a digital marketing tool and said, I've got the greatest tool, here's four tools you should use. They would laugh me out of the room because they've been doing this for 10 years or more. Uh, one is, is your site mobile ready? Is it viewable? Now, I will, get, I will tell you that most company websites are now mobile ready. Career, oftentimes the career site's the orphan child <laughs> because mm. it's not, or oftentimes it's the AT, it, it defers to the ATS. It's just the redirect to an ATS. And the ATS may or may not be mobile ready. Some of the modern, most of the modern ones are, but some of the old ones aren't. Then it goes to the application. So let's say somebody goes through that, it meets, you know, meets all the standards. 
I can view it properly on my mobile phone. I click apply and now it goes to a homegrown application <laughs> that I have to squeeze and stretch the fields and there's a hundred fields I have to fill out or it's a PDF I download. Or unfortunately, a lot of the ATS applications are not mobile friendly. They're not mobile ready. They don't meet the standards. So there's a tool and it's a, it's a pretty long URL. So if anybody's interested, connect with me, I'll send it to you. Uh, or just do a search, mobile ready Google. And they actually, Google provides a link. And all you do is go up, put your URL in there. And I would put it in for your company website. I put it in for your um, job, the job listing itself. And I especially put it in there for the application. It will tell you if it's mobile optimized. If it's not, fix it. Because I will guarantee you that there, that you are getting at least double the amount of people who start an application who say, this looks like an interesting company. I want to apply for it, but quit. They don't. There is, a, and this is big research beyond me, 50% of applications that are started are not completed due to that, F, that frustration, confusion, disappointment, and distraction. Um, a lot, a lot of the companies that I start with, that that many of them started with, you know, an off the, a, a kind of a low cost ATS, or they had a homegrown application. They had just a contact form that you filled out. Ninety um, percent of the people who start an application quit. Ninety percent abandonment rate. Ten people started, one person submits. Uh, crazy. I mean, you talk about the investment especially if you're sponsoring ads, sponsoring, uh, you know, uh, 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 you spend a lot of money uh, to do that. So mobile ready is one. Uh, the second is, is it responsive? And I don't mean, are you responding quickly? Is it responsive, which means there are Apple smartphones, there are Samsungs, there are Galaxies, there are Windows based, there are laptops, there's, there's, there's tablets, there's window based, and there's um, iOS, Apple. Um, are they responsive? So there's a site called Responsinator. Sounds like out of the Terminator. It's called Responsinator. It's one of many. There's, there's a lot of them out there. It's the easiest one to remember. Responsinator.com. Um, put your URL in there. It will show you on one screen. Do, best to do this on a desktop or a laptop. Uh, it will show you on one screen what your website looks like on all these other surfaces. Um, so Two things I would definitely check is everything you have, including your application mobile ready, uh, is everything responsive. The third is page speed, because a lot of people have said, oh, I, you know, I heard Iris speak. He said, put a video on, and then they put a big video on, and now it takes 14 seconds to load. <laughs> you get the spinning dial in there. Well, webs if you're putting a video on it's got to be optimized and this is beyond hr i'm not telling everybody that you have to know this but you have to collaborate you have to work with marketing uh to be able to do this and get their attention uh to improvement so the three places that i tell people to go to first very easy checks you can know this in a second is one is uh you know search for google on the mobile ready or contact me i'll send you the link go to responsenator.com and the other is uh go to um Oh, just, it just went out of my head. Uh, you can look up PageSpeed Test. Um, I, I just forgot the name of the site, 
uh, but there's a, a, an easy site to go to. Again, I, I can send somebody the link to that. And if it takes longer than three seconds, technically if it takes longer than one second, but if it takes longer than three seconds, you're toast. People don't wait. Um, and again, you get the spinning dial, but you also got to consider uh, what you're testing it on. I would suggest testing on your desktop, but also test it on a mobile phone because now you're on wireless. So you have to consider all the candidates who may not have four bars. They may be, but they may live in an area. They may live in a high rise. They may live in a, in a rural area that only has one or two bars and uh, they're not going to wait for your site to load. Uh, so those are the four things that three things they tell people to fix first. Uh, if they can't do that, then the rest doesn't matter. You can, it, you're just not going to get people to apply. Those are fantastic. Thank you. And I can throw those links in the show notes. So okay. if you want to touch base with me, I'll make sure we get those in there. To oh, I'll get this easier too. for yeah, people. Yeah. In fact, I got a slide. I can, I, I got a slide. I can send it to you so oh. they can look at the slide. So. Perfect. To me, a, a couple more thoughts. First of all, as I hear you talk, it sounds like, we're just trying to remove friction points, almost like you would in the customer journey. We're just trying to find where people get hung up and make it easier for them to get past those points. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like a, the right interpretation? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I, what, FCDD or fr friction points. That, that's what <laughs> they are, yeah. And secondly, I was going to say, the more I hear you talk, the more I think that these are all fantastic tools and actionable. But at the end of the day, this is really about mindset for a company. Because if a company says that their people are the most important thing and having the best people work for them is really important, they're going to pay attention to this. They're gonna make this just as important as the customer journey or anything else they do because this is the basis of everything. Oh, for sure. I mean, we talk a lot about mindset. Uh, you know, you certainly talk about culture. Culture's a mind, you know, what's the mindset of the people? And it's not just putting a poster up on a wall. Uh, or, or putting it in their mission statement. Uh, it, it, you got to walk, literally, it's beyond walking the talk. You got to feel it, you got to breathe it, you got to do it on an everyday basis. So this is a lot about changing mindset. Uh, there's still this company mindset that we're a good place to work and we, you know, we, we try to pay as well as possible and we got good benefits and we treat people as our most important asset. Yeah, so, sounds good, but you know, not feeling it, <laughs> you know, not uh, because you do make things hard, but there's still this mindset is we don't want to make it too easy for people to apply. Exactly. That we want to put them through these hurdles. And could you imagine, I mean, if, if we take all the friction away and now we're getting a, a, a hundred people apply for a job, now we're going to get a thousand people apply for the job, but a lot of them, just because it's easier, doesn't mean they're more qualified. That's an HR problem. If you're not, if you're not messaging it out, if you don't have criteria that qualifies or disqualifies anyone quickly, what's the minimum requirements? And so it takes me back to another part when we talk about, you know, using that old application. Uh, there is a, in my presentation, there's a slide I use, and I, I started to use it only because it was a tablet and it had a, a, an application on a tablet. It would say, listen, they need to be mobile ready. And then I realized it was a horrible application because there were 21 fields on it and they were the same old fields. So it started me thinking about the application process. Out of the 21 fields, how many qualify a candidate? The first 25 things you ask a candidate for, how many fields do at zero 
Not a single one. So you start with first name, last name, street, street, city, state, zip code, phone number. Phone number doesn't qualify you. Area, uh, an email, you need somebody to contact it. And then it was your last three schools. What's your education? Okay. I don't need to know the school names. I don't need to address the principal's name, your teacher, your grade point, your GPA. What I need to know is, do you have a four-year degree? Do you have a high school diploma? Um, do you, did you study in the field that, that we need? Um, the last three employers and, you know, all, you don't need all that information. The questions you need is if, and this goes into a whole other category, um, do, if, if the job requires five years of education, Ask the question, do you have, uh, not five, uh, five years of experience. Do you have five or more years of experience in chemical engineering? Okay, if they say no, then they're not qualified and people say, well, that's not, that's not always true. Well, then that's not a minimum qualification. <laughs> uh, you know, do they need a four-year degree? Uh, yeah, but if they had 10 years of experience, oh, then they only need a two-year degree with, um, so, so that's a whole other ballgame, but you can ask those questions. Um, are you do you are you licensed in the state if they have to be licensed in the state? Are you willing to relocate? Are you over 18 years old? Um, are you a legal citizen? You know, there are four or five questions that you can ask. If they answer no to any of those questions, they're out. You don't need the rest of the information. Yeah, people say, but we still need to collect it. No, you don't need to collect it up front. That's a friction point. And and it also solves the other problem we talked about is you won't get as many candidates. And if you do, if sure people can lie but people aren't going to lie on four questions you know they'll, they'll lie they say well I'm, i've 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 attended school for four years but i don't have a degree okay maybe they'll get away with that but you, there's four or five questions that everybody can ask that disqualifies them because that's what they do with the resume the first thing they do is they parse a resume what do they look for they go down and they look for you know how many do they have a college degree do they have five years of experience uh, the other thing that's really interesting, especially in light of today's environment with diversity and inclusion, um, you're removing all the unconscious bias. What's the first thing that people ask on an application? What's your name? Okay, before I got any information, if you're qualified or disqualified, I now know, probably know what ethnic group you belong to, what race, what gender you belong to. Uh, you know, if you ask for even city and state or, or even your email can give that away. So, you know, we talk a lot about maybe it's just a mobile, a text that they get back, a text, a text mix, which also people respond, by the way, another thing, people respond to text messages in three, 90% of people respond to a text message in three seconds. They at least view it. Okay. 80% of emails never get open. What is, what do companies use? Email. Because HR and recruiters say, oh, I hate getting all those text messages. Okay. <laughs> you can't see my eyes. You can see my eyes roll, but you know, but the, the audience can't. But my eyes just rolled. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. I hear you. Absolutely. So a couple more questions. First of all, and this is just a general one, if we were having this discussion in January of 2020, it would have been without a doubt an applicant's market. Right. Unemployment was at a record low and companies really had to work to find applicants. As we speak now in late 2020, the unemployment numbers are much higher. Some might say it's more of an employer's market. They can afford to be a little bit more choosy with their applicants because of the number of people that are out there looking for jobs. 
So does all this still apply, I guess, is my question, even when this market has switched? Yeah, that would be the logical answer from any time prior to an economic cycle or a pandemic, I guess. Um, you know, if you went back to even more recently, 2000, you know, 9-11, 2008, the market crashed, the economy went down. Um, yeah, there were a lot of people out of work and, and it was easier to find jobs. What's happened in this market, and again, because of, of the growth, is, is jobs become, they didn't become more specialized. They, be, they became higher skilled. Every job became higher skilled. 80% um, of jobs required some form of digital literacy uh, to, to be able to have that, which didn't exist. Nobody cared 10 years ago, 15 years ago. If you, you know, in fact, you, you, you could get a good production worker, a good um, waiter, waiter, a good server, good in hospitality, uh, many jobs like that who had no digital skills at all. It was fine. Now, even servers need, you know, waiters and waitresses need, need digital skills. Uh, production people need digital skills, manufacturing. Uh, so what's happened was a lot of people were laid off. A lot of people were out of work or on unemployment. There's a lot of people on unemployment that weren't technically laid off. They're, they're still being subsidized. Um, but the skill gap didn't improve. We had a skill gap before 20, January 2020. We have a bigger skill gap now because now everybody needs to have digital skills. Uh, and uh, the problem is, is, you know, my analogy is, and this has been used in recruitment for a while, it used to be like finding a needle in a haystack. Well, there may be a few more needles in the haystack, but somebody dumped 50 million tons of hay on top of that haystack where the needles were. And so now you have all this hay with a few more needles in it and goes back to our technology question, our automation question of how companies responded. They're not equipped for the volume. Uh, I could give you a real life example. One of my clients a few weeks ago who called and said, you were so right. And it was like, okay, you know, I thought I was talking about an assessment. And he said, I've heard you speak. And I, you know, we, I, I always said we were a small company. We used to, I, I, and he had a conversation a few times with me about this. He goes, what can we do to get a better qualified application? We'd go to Indeed. We used to get 50 applications. May, maybe if he was lucky, one or two fit the bill. Okay. And he said, you know, we're, we get all these emails back. And he, same process, didn't have an ATS because he was too small to have one. He, he thought. 24 hours, 1,300 applications. So you're right in the sense that a lot of people are applying for jobs. Wrong in the sense that it's any easier to find them. For twofold, <laughs> one is there's still a lot of people who, there are a lot of people out of work that have the skills, but they get lost in the shuffle. Um, how do they get heard, which goes back to our earlier conversation as well, they are selective at the companies that they're going to look for because they may be on unemployment and they're, they're not in any hurry to rush back. Um, and uh, there's just a lot more people out there. And when the economy kicks into gear and people are off the unemployment, uh, now they're still getting the subsidy with $300. Uh, what happens when all that goes away? Uh, people are going to get flooded and they don't have the technology. They don't have a process. And I'm not saying technology is the answer. But technology is part of the pro the automation of all, all the tedious work. 
so you can actually identify and reach out to the qualified people quickly. Yeah, uh, so some things haven't changed, but the, the market, I, I talked to a lot of people that are in learning development and skills. Uh, I don't hear any employees saying, we are just overwhelmed with highly skilled applicants these days. <laughs> right. That's, that's, an alter, that's an ulterior universe. Great way to look at it. I know you're also working a lot on adaptability these days. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because it seems like that definitely applies. It, yeah, it, it, well, it's always fascinating me. I mean, even the whole concept of the book, I didn't talk about adaptability per se. I mean, I, I mentioned it once or twice in the books, but we talk about being adaptable and, and you know, certainly we had to be. I mean, that goes back to, you know, when I talk about VUCA, we're living in this volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Actually, four years yesterday, I did my TED Talk and it was about VUCA. Uh, uh, and it was about adaptability. How do we need to adapt? What, what's there? But the struggle in it was that, you know, being flexible is one thing. Um, being interested in change and learning new skills. Uh, but the concept of adaptability is people throw it out there as, how do I become more adaptable? Is there a course I can take on adaptability? And there's been a lot of research done on it. Uh, a group that I've been working with, and they just launched a an adaptability. They've been doing it like EQ and IQ. You know, EQ being emotional quotient. They just adapt. They just identify the adaptability quotient, and the adaptability quotient. Uh, they looked at 15 different factors, and they broke it down into three different areas. One was ability, one was character, and one was environment. So a lot of the and I, I hate to say this, but a lot of the buzzwords that are out there that people say, uh, we're looking for people for with how to grit. You know, thanks to Angela Duckworth, made it very popular. So we want a, we, we want a culture that has grit. Okay, what does that accomplish? <laughs> yeah, so again, you need it. But what they, what they did was, and they, they did a lot of the research with Singularity University, so there's some big hitters in this. There's some backing. It wasn't just two guys sitting in a, you know, in a basement saying, let's figure out how to measure adaptability. Um, so they looked at ability and they looked at mindset. We just talked about that. You know, what, what role does that play? Uh, resilience, we hear a lot about that. Mental flexibility, uh, again, the agility concept. Uh, and they, so they put all these things into one. But here was a really interesting process because we talk about learning and development. We talk about learning new skills, closing the gap, education, training and development. Is unlearning the old skills we had? Is unlearning the way we used to do it? And that's what we were just talking about. Here's the way recruitment used to do it. And so we want to learn this new one, but we can't give up the old. Well, there's no room in our brains to do both. There's no room on a daily basis to have these parallels systems in place for people to be able to do. So we have to unlearn and people say, well, just forget, you know, just forget the way you used to do it. Can't. Our brains are wired. We keep going back to that. There's a great, I saw this fantastic example uh, the other day, and I'll send you a link to this after for, to put in. Uh, it was about, there was, a, there was a, an engineer who changed the steering on a bike. So if you want to turn right, if the, if the front wheel would turn right, he turned the gear left. It's backwards. So in order to turn right, you have to turn left. In order to turn left, you have to turn right. Okay. And 
it's nearly impossible to do. I've watched it. I haven't tried it yet. It was nearly impossible to do, and it showed him to do it. And he, he also went into neuroscience of, of, of what it takes to rewire your brain because our tendency, even like he'd study it for a second, and then all of a sudden he'd fall off, was to go back. It was a brilliant example of, of that unlearning takes as much effort, maybe more effort, than learning something new. But if we learn something new and we don't unlearn it, then we just negated all that. Where does this fit into adaptability? Well, it's part of it. We, we talked about, let's teach people to be more open-minded and therefore they will be adaptable. No, just because I wanna do it, doesn't mean I can do it. So there's a lot, there's all these other components. And then, you know, going back to what your expertise is in is culture, is we, they talk, the, the, one of the components is environment. So it talks about, what type of company support do they have about being adaptable? Do they have a, a growth and open mindset? Are people criticized for making a mistake? Is there a time that people can be innovated and explore? What's the health? What type of teams? What's, what supportive structures in there? What's the stress like in the organization? Stress is not conducive to adaptability. <laughs> Uh, so it, and then it looks at the individual character, you know, what's their emotional range and, um, you know, are they hopeful? You know, hope is, you know, are they pessimists? Are they skeptics? So I, I, I can't go into all these in depth, but the fact is that they were able to quantify this. And in 15 minutes to a half hour, you can take an assessment and identify where you are and, and starting with the management team. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm totally in with these guys. Uh, because I don't know how we get out of this mess beyond recruitment. I don't know how we fix education. How do we fix government? How do we fix diversity and inclusion? How do we fix society? How do we repair businesses? How do we grow businesses? I don't know how we do that without people who are adept at being adaptable. Um, so that's, that's my shtick and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it. I frequently say the deadliest words in business are that's the way we've always done it. And I think that, <laughs> I think that right now, uh, those are, it's even more true. So if somebody is interested in this, if you can give me a link, well, or maybe you can just tell us if somebody's interested in this adaptability assessment, what do they do? Well, one is definitely contact me and I'll get you on our <laughs> list. Yeah. Reach out to me. Um, this is all uh, within the next, I say within the next two weeks, but that may be optimistic to four weeks. Uh, we'll have links up. We're actually building the pages and the access to it. Uh, we just signed, we just signed an official agreement with them literally this morning at our early morning uh, with, with the group. Uh, we're coming on board with them with the adaptability quotient and it will be available and uh, we'll even have certifications. People can get involved with it. Um, but uh, so reach out to me now and then as soon as I can send you and the first thing I would do is I'll send you some information but anybody who's interested I'll send them a sample uh, a sample test uh, that they can take one is just talking about and this fits into the process what I loved most about this is and I wrote a little bit about this in my book I I, I provide pre-employment and leadership assessments and you know although I think AR and VR type simulations are going to be the wave of the future. They're not there yet. They're too complicated. They're expensive to make. There's a lot of bias that's built into them. So we're sort of stuck with the old questionnaire, you know, that we ask a question, you know, I, 
I, I tend to enjoy being around crowded groups of people, you know, uh, and then it's, you know, totally agree, disagree, you know, type thing. Uh, we're stuck with that for a little bit and they're good. They're, but they're changing. What they did was they created their questionnaire in the form of a chat. And the chat is actually driven by AI. So it asks the question, you provide the answer. And then the next question is, is delivered in a form that related to the way you responded in ahead of time. So it's dynamic. Now it's still asking the same questions, but it was more of a conversation. So think about a candidate, think about the, the user, rather than going through 50 questions or 100 questions answering totally agree or, you know, I totally agree, I agree, I neutral, versus having a conversation that translates the same information. Brilliant example. And that's how one of the things changed. So I love, they got me at the format. As soon as I started this, I go, this is really cool. This is what I was talking about. Then the output really sold me. And then uh, they, they actually just had released a, uh, a video, a documentary, and it's not available to the public yet, uh, which I'll also be able to provide a link to. Uh, and they interviewed uh, people from like Peter Diamandis uh, and Dan Sullivan, uh, strategic coach. Uh, Peter Diamandis is from uh, uh, XPRIZE and the Singularity University. Um, again, some really heavy hitters in, in the group. Uh, so, uh, Salim, I always forget, his, I always mispronounce his last name. Um, again, another a brilliant uh, entrepreneur, uh, innovator, exponential change expert. In fact, that's his name of his book, Exponential Change. Uh, they've all backed this. This is they, they had all input into developing this. So really excited about it. And I think that's the direction. And, and again, I, I think that's the hope for people. People, if there's one skill I tell people to learn is, you know, improve even before EQ. And I'm a big proponent of, of developing your EQ is you're gonna to have to develop your AQ uh, because production work, production line workers, frontline servers uh, don't need to be have high EQ. It helps, but they don't need to have it. Uh, they're gonna to have to learn how to be adaptive. Absolutely. If you could wrap up everything, which I know is probably going to be impossible, but into one statement, one message of maybe two or three sentences, I like to call it your impact statement, that you would like people to take away from this conversation. What would it be? Well, the first part of it's easy, and it's the way I close every one of my shows. It's the subtitle of my book. It's the, the shift hit your plan. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> let's summarize today. The shift hit everybody's plan. Uh, and, you know, the, the next point is, uh, again, just what we were just talking about. Um, there is hope. Um, there is as bad as the news is. Um, there are parts of the economy that are thriving and, and it's not fair, it's not equitable, uh, but that also means that we're not dead. <laughs> Everything's not gone away. Uh, and it, if you, all you're hearing is bad news, start listening to other people. You know, listen to me, mm -hmm. listen to you, Brian. Uh, there's millions of podcasts out there. Uh, there are so many good things happening behind the scenes that just got buried by the bad headlines. So. There, there, there is a way to be hopeful. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. Um, so second part of that message is there's hope. And third part is uh, there's a pathway to being, you know, adaptive and, and it's your choice. Um, you know, if you, if you want to live, go back to normal, it's not going to happen. 
you, you can fight for it. it it's not a good cause uh, but uh, we, we, we we are going to move to a better place and uh, you know that's what I'm hopeful for I love it so one more time where can people find you a uh, couple different places you can go to uh, my website my company website successperformancesolutions.com uh, my personal website's irawolf.com that's i r a w o l f e uh, I'm very visible on LinkedIn. Please connect with me. Please follow with me. Um, you're probably going to get a couple posts a day. Um, and um, you can also go, I'd like to make this offer to anyone uh, that's listening. Uh, if you go to besthrbook.com, uh, and I got that only because it was selected as one of the best HR books of all time uh, by Book Authority, uh, but you can order my book for free. Uh, and uh, you just pay for shipping, unfortunately, Postal service taking a few, <laughs> little longer than normal these days, uh, but uh, besthrbook.com. And on there, if you click on, um, there's uh, resources. Actually, I have all my links, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, you name it, it's there. So, and you can order the book or you can download an excerpt and there's no cost. Perfect. And is that um, your recruiting in the age of Googleization book that we're going to get yes. when we go there? Yes. Absolutely. Yep. A second edition. Uh, first edition was out uh, 2017, uh, beginning of this year, right before COVID. Uh, so obviously, there's a whole other bunch of chapters. Uh, February of this year, a uh, second edition came out. So it's an expanded version. So you'll get the second edition. And uh, we're still because of COVID, we're still running the promotion. And again, for free, it's, it's on Amazon. Uh, if you want it in a hurry, Amazon's the faster place. I don't have Amazon's transport uh, distribution system. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, the book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleizations, When the Shift Hits Your Plan, Ira S. Wolf. Ira, thank you so much for being here. It's been great. My pleasure, Brian. Appreciate it very much. Stay safe. And that was our conversation with Ira Wolf. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are in a position where you are hiring people, I hope you snagged some good tips. If you want more, links to the sites that Ira talked about and the evaluations that he talked about are in the show notes. So you can find them there if you didn't grab them from the audio. Until then, if you've enjoyed this episode of Lead with Impact, please feel free to find us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Like, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you can do, greatly appreciated. That is it for now. Stay tuned. More goodness coming up soon. In the meantime, go out there, have a great day, and lead with impact.